0: number of years ago, I sat in the living room of my brother-in-law. Uh, there were 11 adults, as best as I can remember, and there were what seemed to be about 67 children. Uh, We had a number of young children that were gathered together in this place, and we were uh, celebrating Christmas. We were around the Christmas tree. Uh, All the presents were tucked under. Many of the presents flowed out from underneath uh, the tree, and I know families typically handle this situation a little differently. Uh, Sometimes in some families there is uh, this uh, very, very clean, there's this process that they go through with their kids. They go uh, youngest to oldest or oldest to youngest. Everyone gets one present at a time. Uh, You open it very slowly. Uh, You look and find the person who gave you that present. You say thank you. Uh, Then the next person goes and you keep doing that until uh, New Year's. Um, The the other option is to uh, simply kind of let uh, the kids loose uh, to find their gifts, find where their name is, uh, on the present and just to open it, I don't know if this was a good idea, but for whatever reason, we kind of went with uh, the option B instead of option A this particular year. And so the kids were grabbing presents from underneath the tree, uh, wrapping paper was flying through the air. There was mass chaos. Uh, kids were opening presents that did not belong to them. They would look at it and they'd be like, "This is a doll." And Like Noah would hand it to uh, his cousin, like this isn't for me, this is uh, for you. And and you could not even see the floor uh, because of the wrapping paper carnage, right? It was just the wheels off. Kids were taking their presents and building small hills or mountains uh, with them. And I I just looked at everything before us and I said to myself, "Uh, this is too much. This is just too much. Because I just saw all of these presents, and I had in my, my mind this thought that our, our children were getting spoiled, they would uh, not grow up to appreciate the small things in life, I'm like, they're going to think that Christmas is just all about the gifts, and I thought to myself, this uh, needs to stop. Have you ever had an experience before in life when you just experience uh, a certain sense of abundance and you think to yourself, this has got to stop. It's it's just too much. Uh, There is a second response, though, that we can have uh, during times in life when we experience abundance. Abundance. Uh, maybe you've had this experience where you sit down for a Christmas dinner and you put one too many slices of the spiral cut ham on your plate. Uh, you pile the scalped potatoes off to the side. You, you put your green bean casserole on the plate and then take two rolls and cover it with butter. Right? If you're particularly aggressive, you will grab your desserts plural, and bring them back to the table. You will eat your meal and think to yourself the same thing. This is is too much. But then the thought crosses your mind, but isn't it good? Isn't it good? I had this thought recently, and I I thought to myself, I I wonder if um, the God of the universe uh, does not delight in in giving gifts to his kids. Uh, I wonder if the God that knows us and made us and loves us actually delights uh, in giving us more than we deserve. You see, I truly believe that Scripture teaches us that the God who knows us and made us and loves us actually does that. Uh, he extends gifts to us. And the response that we have as the people of God is to say, God, this is, this is too much but it is good. Over the course of the next four weeks as a church family, I want us to think together about the gifts uh, from God. I want us to think together about the gifts that God has extended to us as his sons and daughters, and I want us to think to ourselves, this is too much, but isn't it good? And so, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Uh, Romans chapter 8. As you're turning there, I want to take just a moment and pray and ask uh, the Spirit to open our eyes uh, to God's Word. Uh, Father God, thank you so much for this time of year where we have an opportunity uh, to be still and to press pause uh, and to think deeply and critically about uh, your grace and your goodness to us. Thank you that you are an extravagant God, that you have extended good gifts uh, to your kids. We give you thanks for it this morning. God, I pray that you, by the power of your Spirit, uh, might open our eyes this morning and help us to see uh, what you have for us from your Word. Uh, God, we love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever bought something before that you couldn't afford? Have you ever made a purchase that, looking back, you regret? Right? It, could, it could be big or it could be small. Uh, something tells me, if you're here this morning, that you probably have. Uh, the reason that I say that is because statistics show that uh, U.S. households owe a thirteen over 13 trillion dollars. trillion in debt. After you make your way through the billions and get to the trillions, it starts adding up. It's like real money, right? The average American uh, has $16,000 worth of credit card debt, according uh, to Nerd Wallet's 2017 American Household Credit Card Survey. I really just wanted to quote from Nerd's Wallet. I don't know if they're reliable or not. $16,000 worth of credit card debt. Have you ever uh, made a purchase that you regret? Uh, Something tells me that uh, you have. I certainly have before. When we incur debt as a people, financial debt, we feel the weight of that, do we not? Have you ever thought to yourself before, oh, I just, maybe you feel guilt Maybe you feel regret, you're going, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have bought that, I thought that was going to bring me joy, and it, and it hasn't. We, we feel the regret, maybe we have uh, some guilt, maybe, maybe that debt to us feels suffocating, like you think there's so much out there that I would like to do, but I can't do it because I'm responsible uh, to these folks over here that send me monthly bills. Debt can be debilitating. And the only thing worse than financial debt is spiritual debt. Um, The Bible paints a picture for us of humanity being in debt to God uh, because of sin. Uh, regardless of whether or not you are a follower of Christ, uh, the majority of Americans would admit that, uh, that sin exists in the world. According to a 2017 study that was done by Lifeway, uh, two-thirds of Americans admit uh, that they are sinners. So, so the majority of folks, even people who, who would readily admit that they're not followers of Christ, would say there, there's something broken in this world Right? There, there's something both out there and perhaps in here that doesn't quite seem right. right? And as a people, we, we try to handle that brokenness or that sinfulness a number of different ways, right? We, we defend it. We uh, can fake it. We try to hide it. We, we blame others for it. Maybe we try to downplay it. We're, we're trying to figure out how to handle the, the brokenness within us. We're not the first ones to try to figure it out, nor are we the first ones uh, to wrestle with it. Um, The Apostle Paul, a a man who who wrote a a good chunk of the New Testament, he has a miraculous story of how uh, God saved him, how God opened his eyes to the beauty of the gospel. Uh, But Paul was a man who still admitted, even though he was a follower of Jesus, he still wrestled uh, with sin he still wrestled with his own brokenness and there's a passage in Romans chapter 7 verse 21 and it, and it talks about the wrestling that Paul experienced in his own heart he says in Romans chapter 7 verse 21 so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right evil lies close at hand for I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. A wretched man that I am, who will deliver me uh, from this body of death? Now, if you've read Romans 7 before, you've probably found yourself saying, But well, I can relate to that. Has there ever been a time in your life when you think to yourself, boy, there's things that I should do that I don't do. And there's things that I know that I shouldn't do that I do. There's there's this wrestling in the human heart. You're going, I I know God has, has called me to obedience and holiness, and yet, man, there's just something about the human heart. It's fickle. And so Paul cries out and says, who will rescue me from uh, this body of death? Maybe you're thinking to yourself, boy, good night, Merry Christmas. Where's, Where's the good news? Well, there is good news. In fact, there's great news. Because just as soon as Paul cries out and says, who will rescue me from this body of death? He says in verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but my flesh I serve the law of sin. So he says, thanks be to God uh, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so even though there is this reality of sin in our hearts and lives, even though we wrestle continually with it, Um, There's still good news in the midst of it. Uh, And the the good news is that God has extended gifts uh, to his kids. Let's find out uh, what they are. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. No condemnation means that there is, for the follower of Christ, debt forgiveness. There there is debt forgiveness. God has wiped out our debt. There is therefore now no condemnation. I remember hearing a preacher talk about uh, this passage many years ago. It was probably 10 years ago, and he was uh, talking about that little word, now. And just the nuance to the word now. Now, I know that you're probably thinking, now this is going to be boring, right? That nuance to the word word now, what is he talking about? Well, there's multiple meanings to the word now. There is this sense where uh, when Paul talks about now, uh, it means um, finally now. Have you ever had like a finally now moment in life? Um, Recently, there's been this company that has been uh, sending stuff to our house um, a lot. They just send boxes. It's amazing. And our children see these boxes when they're on the doorstep and when they bring them inside, and they're like, who is that for? And we're like, not for you. Um, Even though technically it is for them, they want to know, "Can, can I open that? And we say, no, you can't open that now. You have to wait, right? You have to wait to Christmas. And so we know as parents, from now until Christmas, there's going to be times where they see those boxes and they want uh, to ask, like, f- like, finally now, can we can we open it? Fi- finally now, can we open it? And we say, no, no, you can't open it. Not yet, not yet. But then come Christmas, um, out come the presents. And they say, finally now, and we say finally. Finally, now. Right? This, this is yours. Well, for thousands of years, people anticipated the coming of, of Christ. They anticipated the Savior uh, to come, but, but then they experienced it finally now. This is Romans 8, 3. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. He condemned, there's that word, he condemned sin in the flesh. Right? So, so people waited for the perfect sacrifice and then it came, uh, finally now. And so there's this, there's this sense where people waited for no condemnation, debt, forgiveness, but, but finally now it can be experienced. Now, there's another nuance to the word though. It's not just a finally now, it is already now. Right? Like already now, like, like right now. Think for a moment that you've graduated from high school and you're preparing to go off to college and you're asking yourself questions like, how in the world am I going to afford this? Um, How are my parents going to be able to send me? How am I going to study and commit myself to the books um, and and work at the same time and pay for school? And And you go, I don't know how to do this. And you get a letter in the mail and it's from your grandfather. And your grandfather for years has been putting away uh, some money for you um, that that you would receive when he passed away. Uh, But he writes you a note and he says, that that money that I had set aside for a later date, I want to give that to you right now. Right, and so that, that boy or that girl who's preparing to go off to college uh, says to themselves, you mean, you mean like already now this is mine? Like I can enjoy this now? Yeah, you can enjoy this now. Uh, so when Paul uh, writes to the church at Rome and says there is now no condemnation, that, that means like right now. Like right now. Right. There, there is no uh, condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That, Christian, is yours to enjoy, like right now. Like right now. This is, this is apparently not enjoyed by everyone, though, because it says that this is enjoyed for those uh, who are in Christ Jesus. This is enjoyed uh, for those who have placed their faith in the finished work of, Of Jesus. This is a gift that God has given uh, to his sons and daughters who, uh, by faith, uh, trust in him. And this is huge. Man, it's huge because I firmly believe that we spend the vast majority of our lives either guilt ridden uh, because we're trying to prove ourselves worthy to God, or we think to ourselves, and holiness and, and, and God changing me and obedience isn't really that important. And Paul's teaching us, he's teaching you and me, that we don't have to be guilt ridden uh, because of sin, past sin in our lives, or even future sin or present sin. Like, like God forgives us, but then he calls us uh, to a life of following him in obedience. You see, God has given us the gift of debt forgiveness, but He's also given us freedom uh, from the bondage of sin. Look at verse 2 in Romans chapter 8. It says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. God has set you free from sin. You you are free. He's not saying that the Christian doesn't still wrestle with sin. We, we, we know we wrestle with sin. Paul said in Romans 7, the things that I should do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I do. He's like, oh, wretched man am I. Like, that's, that's the experience of the Christian life. Uh, John says in 1 John, the first chapter, if you say you're without sin, you're a liar, I'm a liar. So he, he's not saying that, that we still don't wrestle with sin, but he is saying that we are free from the bondage of sin. Right. There, there was a time where we were enslaved to our sin, where we could not please God because without faith, it's impossible to please him. Where all we knew was a life of bondage, but here he's teaching us. He's teaching us that we have been set free. We've been set free to follow God, which means we, we don't operate through life saying to ourselves or saying to others, well, this is just the way that God made me. This is just how I am. Like, I've always wrestled with this. I've always struggled with this. I've always been like this. M- maybe. But you don't always have to be like that. right? God, God sets, us thre- uh, sets us free from the law of sin and death. How did he do it? Verse 3 tells us, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. I, I've heard people frame it this way before. I think it's helpful. Um, the the lawgiver, which is God, uh, sent the lawkeeper... Which is Christ for the lawbreaker, which is me and you. Right, the lawgiver God uh, sent the lawkeeper Jesus for the lawbreaker, who is me and you. And so, by His Spirit, uh, He has set us free. He set us free to follow Him and to walk in. Obedience. He's not left us uh, to ourselves. He's given us the gift. He's given us the gift of freedom from the bondage of sin. Not only has God given us uh, the gift of uh, debt forgiveness, not only has He given us the gift of freedom from the bondage of sin, but uh, He has also given us the gift of a renewed mind. He's given us the gift of a renewed mind. He he changes the way that we think uh, about the world that we live in. Verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Uh, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So Paul paints this picture of a life set with a mind set on the flesh and life with a mind set on uh, the Spirit. The mind that is set on the flesh has a mindset that is set on the things of the world. It's anything that we think about, that we dwell on, that we consider, um, that is not pleasing to God. Uh, It's anything that runs contrary uh, to God's way or God's will. There's this story that takes place in uh, the the Gospel of Matthew uh, when Peter is having a conversation with Jesus. And Jesus has begun to tell his disciples that he is going to suffer and die. He's going to go into Jerusalem. Uh, He's going to be crucified, and he's going to be uh, raised to life. Uh, And it says in Matthew 16, verse 21, from the time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter, this is fascinating to me, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. Uh, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now, I have to be honest with you. I, I, I read the interaction between Peter and Jesus, and there is this part of me just on the surface where I think to myself, I, I kind of understand where Peter's coming from, right? I mean, he's, this, he's following this guy for three years, he, Kind of left his career, his gig. He was like all in for him. And, and maybe he's grown to, to love Jesus and he's following Jesus. And, and he hears this story from Jesus about how Jesus is going to suffer and die. And Peter goes, Oh, no, you're not. Oh, no, no, sir. No, you're not. But, but Jesus rebukes Peter. He says, Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. You are a hindrance to me because you have not set your mind on the things of God. You have set your mind on the things of man. Think for a moment about the things that you think about. Think about the the thoughts that consume uh, your mind. Uh, Think about the things that you think about Uh, Late at night, Uh, late at night when the the house is quiet and uh, the kids have gone to bed, think about what you think about uh, early in the morning Uh, when the house is still quiet and you're preparing for the day. Think about what you think about when your mind starts to wander and your mind starts to drift sometimes we can have this mindset that says what happens in here because it's kind of off limits out there. Like we can kind of think about whatever we want to think about up here. Nobody knows this. We don't advertise this. This is just, this is kind of between me and me. Right, and so I'm going to let my mind drift. I'm going to let my mind wander. I'm going to kind of think about uh, life the way that I would like for it to be or life the way that I would uh, have intended it to be. I'm going to, I'm going to play out these scenarios and these scenes in my mind. Scripture teaches us that the mind um, set on uh, the, the flesh is not pleasing to the Lord. The, the mind set on the flesh results in death. But, but the mind set on the Spirit uh, brings life, uh, sets your mind on things above. It's been said before that we can be uh, so heavenly minded. Uh, that we are no earthly good. Have you heard that before? You can be so heavenly-minded. You can be so out there with your thoughts uh, that, that you lose touch with uh, the world around you. And I could not <laughs> disagree more. Set your mind on things above. Think about holy and God-glorifying and Christ-exalting things. Scripture uh, teaches us uh, that God has given us a renewed mind that comes uh, by the Spirit, and so Spirit, help us uh, to set our minds on things above. What a gift that He has given to us. The last gift that we see in the first part of Romans uh, chapter 8 is the gift of the spirit god has given us the gift of the spirit and with the spirit he has given to us power a verse 9 of romans chapter 8 says you however are not in the flesh but in the spirit if in fact the spirit of god dwells in you anyone who does not have the spirit of christ does not belong to him Uh, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of uh, sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Right, if you are a follower of Christ Jesus... When we trust Christ, He seals us with His Spirit. He's given to us His Spirit. Jesus told His disciples when He rolled out and left the earth, He's like, hey, good news for you. I'm sending my Spirit, and it's better for you that I go. Right? It's better for you that Jesus isn't right here. It's better for you that His Spirit indwells and empowers you. Because his spirit, is power, that's what it it says in uh, in, in Romans 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Think about that. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. Think about the power uh, that is in you because the spirit of God dwells inside of you think about the power. I've told this story before. I'm going to tell it again. You'll have to forgive me. When I was in high school, uh, I had this dream of one day owning a Corvette that was my dream car. I don't know a lick about cars, but I, you know, I lived in Metro Detroit, and so I had to pretend. I would get car and driver. I would read it during reading time in high school. I would look at pictures of Ferraris and Lamborghinis. Like, my car was a Corvette. My uncle had Corvettes growing up, and I was like, man, that's my car. Like, I want one of those when I get older. And apparently I told a lot of people about this because there was a gentleman in the church that I attended who actually had a Corvette. I don't know how he found out I always wanted to drive one, but he did, and he came to me one one Wednesday night, and he says, hey, James, he's like, you want to drive the Corvette? I'm like, do I want to drive the Corvette? I'm like, let me pray about it. Yes! Yes, I want to drive the Corvette, and so he gave me the keys, and he's like, start it up, fire it up, and so I started it up, and around the church, I got out of the church parking lot, and there's just this, everything's in squares, it, like Metro Detroit. We don't understand that because our roads are like this. But there, it's like north, south, east, west. It's a square. So there's a mile square around the church. He's like, just make a right, James. Just make a right. And so I'm 10 and 2. Man, I'm, I'm thinking about my driver's ed teacher. I'm like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take good care of this vehicle. I know it's a nice car. I know it's an expensive car. And so I make my right-hand turn onto Plymouth Road. And I have about a half mile before the light and so I accelerate. I mean, I go like 12, 14, 16 miles an hour. A minute and a half later, I'm up to 20. 22, 24. I mean, I'm inching this baby. I'm so careful with it. I see the light change. I'm a quarter of a mile from it, and I start to slow down. I start putting my foot on the brake, and I'm, I'm at the light. I'm waiting for it to turn green. I'm still 10 and 2. He's sitting right next to me. It turns green, and I slowly push down on the gas, and I begin to make my right hand turn. I make my right hand turn, and man, I put my foot on the gas and go from 8 to 10 to 12 miles an hour. A minute and a half later, I'm up to 16, 17, 18 miles an hour, and he looks over at me and says, James, what are you doing I'm like, I'm driving my dream car. He goes, open it up! Open it up! Put your foot on the gas! Open it up! Because he knew there was power in it. He goes, I want you to experience the power. The power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave is in you. It's in you, Christian, and it's in me. God wants us to experience Experience the power from the Holy Spirit's presence in our hearts and in our lives. He wants us to open it up and experience the power. What a gift. What a gift God has given to us. What a gift that he has given to us. If you are here uh, this morning. And, and, and you would say that you are maybe on the outside of the Christian faith. Maybe you have questions. Maybe you think to yourself, I don't know about the teachings of Jesus. I don't know where um, I land on these things. I, I want you to hear uh, the, the good news of Romans chapter eight, verse one. And I want you to know that that can be yours today. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But John 3.18 says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed. He has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And I, as your pastor, man, I implore you to believe in him. The joy of no condemnation uh, can be yours this morning. If you are here this morning and you are a sin-sickened saint uh, who can't let the past go, man, if if you're always a historian with your sin, you're always digging it up, you're always thinking back to that time, back in high school, back in college, back to the previous relationship, back to yesterday... I want you to feel uh, the truth of no condemnation right now, already, finally, and already. It's no longer counted against you. If you are here this morning and you feel like a defeated sinner, and you read Paul's words from Romans 7, and you're like, good night, that is my life. There's constant wrestling, constant battling, and you're like, Half of my Tuesday was good, but then wheels off Tuesday night, I want you to know god 's given you a, a beautiful gift. You are free from the bondage of sin god's changing you he 's changing you even now. to those who live life in the prison of your own thoughts, like you go to you go to dark places that nobody else knows about because everything is happening here, right You tell stories and you daydream and you 're just and the mindset on uh, the flesh. I want you to know that God has given you a renewed mind, and it comes from the Holy Spirit. And if you are here this morning and you feel uh, just broken and weak, and I want you to know, if you are a son or a daughter of the Living King, man, God's given you crazy power, crazy power from His Holy Spirit. Enjoy it. Open it up. I read about the gifts of God and I think to myself, this this is too much. (laughs) This is too much. But isn't it cool? Man, isn't it cool? Man, thank you, Lord. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for your good gifts that you have given to us through uh, your Son and by your Spirit. Lord, thank you that you uh, delight in giving gifts uh, to your kids. Uh, thank you so much that uh, we get the, the joy of being recipients. We give you thanks. Lord, if there's folks here this morning who have not experienced the, the gift of your son Jesus, I pray that, uh, that today would be, uh, would be their day. Would you pour faith into their hearts? Would you grant them the faith to believe in the finished work of Jesus? And I pray that you would do it for your name's sake. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.